This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Mental health issues are often forgotten amid other life-threatening disasters such as coronavirus, storms, droughts and floods. Still, mental illness is threatening to individuals, their families, society and the economy. For the last nearly three months, the Africa Climate Conversations podcast decided to explore how climate change effects are likely to impact on our mental health. We have been down to the field, talked to communities, and we've also explored solutions and the way forward. Now, this episode will summarize this series, but I'm encouraging you to visit our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com, to listen to more of the series episodes in depth. Now, remember, this series was made possible by a grant from the International Women's Media Foundation's Howard G. Buffet Fund for Women. Mental health is not often directly linked to climate change. But let's be honest, temperatures are rising, floods, droughts, heat waves, bushfires, rising sea levels are getting real and affecting real people. The lives and day-to-day quality of life is adversely affected, not to mention pandemics like COVID-19 and high cost of living that will also add on to these effects. Last year, The Kenya National Mental Health Task Force report identified climate change and its effect among things associated with rising depression, suicide, post-traumatic stress disorder, and substance use abuse disorders in Kenya. The task force found out that one in every two Kenyans suffer from a mental health condition. It also indicated that at least 25% of outpatients and 40% of inpatients in different health facilities had mental illnesses at the time of the study. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention ranks mental health and substance abuse as number five among the leading causes of death in Kenya. Hence, the task force recommended to the government to declare mental health an emergency in Kenya. Elias Fondo, the Kilifi County Mental Health Clinical Officer, sums it up. I will say that there is no help without mental health. Uh, and if you see me smiling, talking to myself, I'm not silly, I'm sick. Take me to the clinician and I get the treatment. Mm. If you see me, I'm down, I'm sad, I'm crying to myself. I'm not weak. I just need a listening ear. Listen to me as my wife, as my daughter, as my sister, listen to me and feel, why, why am I crying? If you cannot help me, take me to the hospital, sure. then I'll be treated and mm-hmm. I'll live healthy, I'll be productive, and even I'll be helped. And I'm not immune. Mental illness can happen to anybody. It happens to me and it may happen to you. Mm-hmm. So I will say there is no help without mental health. When we talk of climate changing, I spoke to Dr. Bubakar Sali Babike, a climate scientist from the IGAD Climate Prediction and Application Center, IGBAC, who told me that in east of Africa, the increasing temperatures have risen higher than the lower target of the Paris Agreement. Now, the Paris Agreement aims at keeping the global temperatures below 2 degrees or within 1.5 degrees Celsius. For Kenya, and of course, it is similarly also to the rest of the region, Uh uh, but for Kenya for now, we can talk about um, generally there is one of the major signs of climate change it is the increase uh, in the temperature. 
So, for example, a very recent study which was published in 2019 indicated that uh, published in Nature to, in 2019, mm. that uh, the increase in in the temperature, especially maximum uh, and minimum temperature, is about uh, two degrees Celsius. Mm. This is just for the last, uh, let's say, last 30 years, for example, mm. from 1981 up to 2010. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, using high resolution data. Uh, temperature the maximum temperature increased about two degrees celsius and and the and the minimum temperature increased by 1.2 degrees celsius so this is a major change in temperature Mm. Uh, the other changes if you if you look into for example rainfall uh, there are some areas small areas in kenya i have seen either increase and decrease but they are they are minimum but the general trend in the rainfall is that they know significant change in terms of amount but we have seen significant or a clear change in the what we call it the links of the of the rainy season mm-hmm. or the links of the growing season rather not mm-hmm. the rainy season but the growing season which means that the rainfall uh, became concentrated in a shorter time period yeah the growing season is that the season or the period in which that you can grow uh, a plant or, or, or farm and cultivate uh, that is different than than um, the rainy season in general the amount of rainfall mm-hmm. that so and this would lead short and shorter uh, growing season it is very likely related to a high amount of rainfall in shorter time period mm-hmm. so um, and 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 this is will lead us to to another phenomena related to climate change, which is the increase of extreme uh, events. Yes, yeah. And we have, yeah, we have seen an increase in the, the number of floods, landslides in certain areas. And in, uh, in some other areas, you, you see also um, the, the, the drought mm. uh, also became more frequent. Yeah, that means in terms of temperatures, the two degrees uh, Celsius, it's increased higher than actually the what the Paris Agreement aims to achieve globally, right? Yes, that is a very good point, is that uh, the increase is already higher than uh, what is uh, yeah, the target of Paris Agreement, especially the lower target of Paris Agreement. Mm. In Kenya, the rising temperatures have resulted in droughts, landslides, flooded lakes in the Rift Valley. How have this impacted communities in Kenya, both social economically and mentally? Mimi kazi yangu ni kulima na irrigation. Na nilikuwa nasomesha watoto wangu. I am a farmer. I had invested in irrigation farming which enabled me to educate my children. The 2018 floods destroyed my farm, carried away the generators, the irrigation pipe and all other farming equipment I had bought. Due to lost income, I had to transfer my children to public schools. It has greatly impacted me economically. I never had to transport my farm inputs to Malindi town. Customers would travel to my farm to buy from there. Today, since losing that farm, educating my children has become a near impossible task. I am not the only one heavily impacted. I witnessed a couple of men 
who had invested in coconut trees and bananas. They lost everything in one night. I lost a few villagers to stroke that developed from the stress accumulated after the 2018 floods. The problem was, where do you start? It takes time to plant and wait for the coconut trees and bananas to mature and earn you money. Now, when all these trees die suddenly, the entire farm is destroyed. All cows are dead overnight from floods. And given some of us are old and don't have the energy to start over, stress and death are inevitable for a majority of the farmers. It is one of our biggest challenges. Relocation is also among our problems. We were lucky Red Cross was of help, even though they only helped us rebuild the house. You were required to buy land on safer ground. The majority did not have the money to purchase land, neither the sponsorship. Circumstances forced them to return to the flood zones. I have not managed to buy back my drip irrigation kit to get back to my farm as my finances have been significantly low. But luckily, an Islamic relief project sunk a borehole to enable villagers to farm. The challenge with this is that we have to rent the land at 3,000 shillings per year. The landowners require one to pay for the years they plan to farm. For example, if I need the farm for 14 years, you have to pay for the 14 years. Besides, one has to buy the irrigation kit, which makes it impossible for some of us. Looking back at where I was before, my life has changed. It's stressing to think of how best I can get back on my feet. If only I can get some sponsorship, I could get back to farming and educate my children as I did before. The family lost their entire livelihood to the landslide. But how has life been? Rains and thunderstorms affect me greatly. Even a bang makes me panic a lot. It reminds me of the landslide night. Rains and thunderstorms remind me of the landslide night ordeal. Mentally, I do not feel okay as my heart beats too fast. I have been having constant headaches and regular fainting lately, which I didn't have before. Whenever people talk about the landslide, each time the thoughts start, my body weakens. That is when fainting starts. My children question a lot, especially now that we have been chased away from the school that we had sought shelter. Yet we haven't done any wrong. The doctor told me I am stressed over the landslides and events that happened after. The doctor advised me to avoid the thoughts, but how can I stop thinking about it? After the landslide, Red Cross were counseling people, but since then, I haven't encountered a counselor. Pauline Yator, a 50-year-old mother of seven from Kambia Samaki, told the Africa Climate Conversations after floods she was unable to come to term with the ordeal that has completely submerged her house 
and displaced her family out of her 10-acre farm. She never received any counseling but turned to God for survival. You see, when it flooded and I had to move out of my farm, for two months I almost went mad. I could not believe that this had happened to me. It was a big shock. I could not believe that the water had driven me out of my home. I would walk to myself by the roadside. I asked myself so many questions. What will I do? Whom do I go to for help? How will my children survive? It was shocking and unbelievable. For two months, I was in shock and still in disbelief. I was scared if and how my children would survive. It was difficult, but I told myself, God had made me survive. I said as long as I am alive, I was going to work and be content with whatever I got. That's how I have managed to survive. Someone's space is good. It's not like living at someone else's space. Where I live today, I buy not just drinking water, but everything else. When I was at my farm, I had water, firewood, all from my farm. My children have been heavily impacted. My daughter was a third-year nursing student at Baraton University. After she witnessed my nearly going insane, she offered to drop out so that her two siblings could at least get education and survive on what I was getting for food. She had a year and a half to final year, but she's now just home. I just said, it's okay. Maybe God someday will find us a help and she might go back. Due to cultural beliefs, many Kenyans treat depression and suicide patients as lunatics. But every day, a patient suffers or dies out of mental health condition. How do we define mental health? Fondola explains. Yeah, uh, generally mental health is uh, the ability of a person to understand his abilities to be able to cope up with the normal stresses of life and uh, work productively and fruitfully and make a contribution to his or her society. That is the general what mental health is. So there is a lot of stigma around it because anybody hearing about mental health, they only think of the madness, the, what they call it, the crazy, mm -hmm. being crazy. Mm -hmm. But that is the definition of mental health and it's generally that way. Then it's very different from the mental illnesses because mental illnesses is whereby a person has a abnormal thoughts, abnormal behavior, abnormal feelings that cannot relate well with others. So it's totally different from 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 mental health. Mm -hmm. Mental health is different from mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in Kenya, there is a lot of stigma and um, it's abandoned. Mental health is not like uh, the other diseases because um, you know, for a person, when I say I have cancer, everybody will come and sympathize with me. Absolutely. But now, if uh, I start laughing to myself, talking to myself, people will not understand anything. They will also laugh at me because they don't understand. And that, that's because of the stigma around mental health. And it's because of the, there's a lack of information in the general population. But there is a lot of, there is a lot of mental health issues that are uh, at the community in Kenya, worldwide. The statistics say that uh, like one in every four Kenyans, one of them have mental illnesses, mm -hmm. one in, uh, in one time of at their lives. And uh, that is any person can have mental illness, despite your color or your race or uh, 
your age anybody can get mental illness and uh, you know the mind controls the whole body so mm-hmm. if you are mentally ill you can't be productive there is a lot of lost hours maybe because of depression There's so many of them yeah that yeah. is yeah that is the general when you're talking about mental illnesses uh perhaps maybe what are some of the illnesses that or oh, one shows up with there are so many of them but there is a the like uh, we have the mood problems the mood that comes with the feelings of a person there is abnormal thoughts abnormal abnormal feelings we have the mood problems in it we have the bipolar then we have the depression like in the, the bipolar we have different types of of, of it we have um, depression in the bipolar is an umbrella but we have the depressive episode we have the manic episode we have the hypomanic episode mm-hmm. so that is to me from where i work at my desk that is the main that we have in the general population because depression is one of it where a person feels hopeless he feels low most of the time anybody can feel down but now the duration a person feeling down for a period of like two weeks more than two weeks then at the same time he lost he loses interest in things he used to enjoy most of them maybe he used to watch football after work but now he just lost that interest of watching football then other symptoms are there like feeling hopeless some of them go to the extent of being suicidal so that is depression is a more is a major mental illness at the moment and among others we can have the manic episode whereby a person comes is talkative he has a he's talkative he talks to himself he's talkative that is one then has a lot of energy he doesn't need to sleep uh, then um he involves in activities that are not they have bad consequences those are the kind of symptoms that we have for patients who are, who are, who are manic and then other 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 other, other uh, conditions like schizophrenia mm-hmm. schizophrenia is whereby you are having uh, some of the symptoms like talk, hearing voices talking to you some of these voices are maybe commanding you to do something or not to do something there are what we call the delusions that's false fixed beliefs that some people are against you some there are just several symptoms that are come but uh, in schizophrenia we have distorted thoughts it is split from the reality you are seeing things that others can't see you believe things that are just just opposite of whatever you believe in and the symptom lasting for almost six months that is another sim- uh, condition the, the schizophrenia that is also common at our society then we have um, the substance use yeah, yeah. because of, mostly in the youth we have um, the those who use cannabis those who abuse cannabis alcohol uh, we also see them there are also disorders but we are looking at not all the people who are using cannabis will present with mental illness okay. let's say in the population we can say 25% of the people using cannabis may get mental illnesses but the 75 will remain the same okay. yeah and then other things that is very very common anxieties mm-hmm. but now anxieties in the african setup you not see most of them coming to your clinic okay. they just struggle at home uh when they come to you maybe those with maybe panic attack where they the symptoms really interfere with their social and occupational functioning okay. they will have to come to the clinic but let's say like 80% of them will not come to the hospital they'll just be told ah this is i just feel fearful i just feel nervous but that's okay for me i he will struggle on his on his own and then again there is a lot of misuse because if you go to you know if you go to a general clinician then 
there is a the chances of you being misdiagnosed mm. are very high because they don't have that knowledge on mental health they don't have and if they have it there is also a lot of stigma around even at the medical level the medics not all of them some of them have the negative attitude towards mental health mm. so they will just make if there is a very strong maybe a very common symptom like hearing voices then they refer you to the psychiatrist but if you go there like if you get a person with depression these people will come to you just look at you you ask them a question they just answer one question there you need to be very patient to listen to them for you to make even the diagnosis they need a lot of patience but now if you go to the general public uh, clinician where there are long queues because of the inadequate number of clinicians yeah. then they will not have that time to listen to you so they'll maybe make a diagnosis they will listen to you you're not talking to them they send a list of investigations yeah. go to the lab you spend almost so a lot of money mm. then you come back everything is normal and just of course they may give you the medication or and then that you are not helped sure. so there is a lot of misdiagnosis because mm. of the inadequate number of healthcare workers working that patient yeah. or in the public facilities especially Kenya has only 71 psychiatrists serving a population of nearly 50 million people a majority are in private practice according to the Kenya Health Workforce report currently 75% of Kenyans cannot access mental health care according to the task force. Now WHO says Kenya is among 28% of its member states that do not have a separate budget for mental health. People diagnosed with mental health issues have to pay from their pockets as many private medical insurances do not cover mental health care. But why is this? Leonard Nasoro, a mental health nurse from Kilifi County Hospital, explains. I think as we was just saying that actually there's a lot of stigma even as health workers we still actually we are also stigmatized so very few people would like to be associated with a mental illness that's why when they come to give hospital before they just came they are actually refer to those are nasal patients <laughs> so if actually that this patient comes to the hospital he doesn't actually come to see nasal he's coming to see whoever is going to assist him and even even if you have not specialized in mental health but you have that knowledge at least you can make a diagnosis and you can do the referral quite in time so one thing is that actually one people are still they still they're still stigmatized stigmatized so they really don't want to to go and specialize in mental health the other thing actually there's no appreciation there's no acknowledgement by the by the government So you go to do the specialization you come back but still you see that you are not get, going to get any benefit mm-hmm. and actually you know in life even if uh, we say that like nursing we call it you say that it's a call mm-hmm. but nowadays actually we have surpassed that period of calling nursing a call mm-hmm. so if i go to specialize i want to, to come for uh, maybe a higher grade i get recognized uh, i get a proper place so that at least so even that one who doesn't have the interest eh? mm-hmm. he'll just come here because of the financial implication but if, if there's nothing that i'm going to gain apart from being abused maybe sometimes there's that physical approach or i have to strain them physically then i think that's why most of the um, people are not going, are not going ready they're not ready to go and specialize to specialize on mental health mm-hmm. and uh, the thing is that actually mental health is part of the general health eh, system but we we are lacking uh, the systems eh? like in in our county you will see actually the government the government is talking about uh, 
maternal health, maternal and child health, mm-hmm. they're talking about uh, reproductive issues, eh? reproductive health, which is even quite uh, newer to, to mental health issues. Mm-hmm. They're talking about HIV, they're talking about TB. And actually all the funders go to those fields. There's a lot of money, there's a lot of budget put in those fields. But when it comes to mental health, it's actually being forgotten right from the government level, the policy makers. That's why you don't see that the actually the, the government is there to sponsor people to go for other causes, but not the mental health. It's just the other day that uh, the government, the, the government of Griffith advertised for a psychiatrist, only one psychiatrist. And these people are very rare. Mm-hmm. Even Mombasa is a bigger county, and uh, they are now relying on one retired psychiatrist, that is Dr. Mangome. So that is a, like recycling. If they are unable to get a psychiatrist, that means that these people are really scarce. But is there a solution to mental health problems? Fondo again. The solution is bring on board, employ as many psychologists as possible. There is a lot we can we can talk about mental health. Uh, as the definition goes, it's not mental illnesses. We don't wait for the patient to be ill or the, for the community to be ill mentally for them to come to the hospital. But give them most of the, the the people if you go to them and talk to them, they'll identify themselves from the word go. Mm. They know oh the currently say mama so and so and be naive naive naive. These are signs of mental illnesses. So let me go to him and I just I am feeling anxious. Let me go to him and I share. Mm-hmm. We can even use the, the like in schools, the guiding and counseling teachers. Bring yeah. them on board, yeah. train them on basic mental illness, train them on basic uh, this uh, emotional intelligence, train them on basic uh, this basic things. A student coming to them, they understand the emotions of the students and they can help them how to cope up, how to live healthy mentally. And that way we can solve so many problems that are yeah, but the issue of, okay, others, the other schools of thought is that we, we build more psychiatric units. But now, the trend that we are, we are, we are moving on is, is, is there is a rising burden of mental illnesses. So if we, 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 we emphasize on institutional-based form of management of mental illnesses, we may not be able to do it. But we should channel it to community psychiatry, where we go to the community and talk to them so that mm-hmm. they can identify the early symptoms of mental illness they come to the hospital. Then if they come, like, if I have not slept for three days, you come to me, I not give you a pill. I just listen to you. Maybe I refer to a psychologist. They talk, group therapies. Yes, okay. Or you are not relating well with your, with your, your, your spouse. Then you can be talked to the two of you. And in the process, you get some sort of healing internally and you become productive again. Mm. We don't have to wait up until somebody has committed maybe a homicide. A person has stabbed some so and so. Now, AP has stabbed. Now, because this thing, we can talk to them and they can, we can really help the community by employing not only clinicians, but also psychologists, occupational therapists. So many people out there who are trained on mental health and we can assist the community. Mm. Yeah. Now, Jonathan Gayai, Kelefi County Meteorological Service Officer, says it is not all gloom. Climate change presents an opportunity and governments should work closely with their local communities to ensure they adapt. Climate change does not mean total disaster. Actually, there are opportunities of using uh, the rainwater 
that comes within a short time to do what we call supplementary irrigation so that when our plants during the rainy season and then there's a prolonged dry spell in between we can utilize that uh, water if it was well harvested and stored to really uh, supplement and then you find we can still harvest at the end of that season then there's the issue of uh, shifting uh, rain for seasons uh, what you need to know is that uh, when a season shifts and then the dry spells are increasing and droughts are increasing then uh, people's way of life is affected now it costs for adaptation for you to survive in any changing environment you need to adapt so how are people going to adapt we need to build their resilience and in resilience building we need to inform them they must be informed when systems are changing like this this is how they are supposed to act now in building resilience our people will still survive in the changing climate and they will thrive by us introducing systems that auger well with the changing scenarios one thing i would say is that areas and areas have a lot of potential and we need to educate our people that these areas are actually the food baskets of uh, crops like uh, cowpeas the the green grams the the peas itself and if it was utilized for the for the intended purpose through various stakeholders then this potential can be exploited and we can buy maize elsewhere but produce these uh, types of uh, uh, crops so that we can even sell to other counties and get a lot of uh, livelihood benefits so these are issues we want our people to change on focusing on maize alone but look at even drought tolerant crops the government has a role to play in introducing drought tolerant crops so that our people can benefit even in these changing uh, scenarios of climate another issue i would like to talk about is about early warning early warning plays a very very critical role in uh, preparedness what i mean is that uh, for people for people to thrive they must get early warning they must be informed unless they are informed issues will come they will be affected by climate change climate they will not know what happened and they will continue suffering but if they get early warning and put early action uh, interventions then our people will adapt to a changing climate and they will survive as though there's nothing happening america suffers drought rarely have you had america asking for food aid because they have they have built their resilience and they are able to even produce even during the hard times so we have a water source almost a permanent water source in the clean county we have river ngalana and what i would advise people is how do we as governments as stakeholders utilize the water from river ngalana every rainy season gallons millions of gallons of water flow into the indian ocean once water goes into the indian ocean it becomes unuseful for for people for agriculture for anything but if we can really tap this water for example building mega dams along the river sabaki this water can be used for irrigation and change the whole of these uh, 
Ari na zimeari land which is so fast. Make it a gradual rich land. So if money can be invested along the river Sabaki which flows all through Cliff County, this area which is semi-arid can be turned into a food basket. So the options are available. What we need is massive investments. Even if it needs looking for donor funds, let's utilize even donors and change our environment because we have fat ourselves. All we need is just water. With water, we can produce even excess for export. Hope you did enjoy that series like I did. Next week, we start a new series on drylands, which I will tell you more about next week on Tuesday. Remember a grant from the International Women's Media Foundation's Howard G. Buffet Fund for Women Journalists made possible the Climate Impact and Mental Health series. To listen to these episodes in details and also a lot of other episodes that we've done previously, visit our website www.africaclimateconversations.com. Also remember we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes and every other channel you access your podcast from as Africa Climate Conversations. Remember to subscribe on our website and also on all these channels. You can also send us feedback at info at africaclimateconversations.com. But until next week on Tuesday for the Financing Change in Africa series, Kwaheri, my name is Sophie Bukwa. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.